Hey guys, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. My name is Francesca, and today I'm here with actress, comedian, and host of Antoinette and Friends, Antoinette Perry Jean. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So how are you? (laughs) That's a loaded question. I'm I think the new norm is it depends on what time of day you ask. Right. You know, I, I'm great. Sometimes I'm just feeling really great during the day. And then every now and then I'll be like, fuck, like what's happening? You know, what's happening? Like, you know, I've just been like sort of trying to figure out like what is that feeling that comes upon me? And to be perfectly honest with you, I I see a lot of people kind of going through like the ups and downs of like trying to navigate, you know, the new normal, yeah. But mostly to answer your question, mostly I'm good. I'm good. I'm staying afloat. How about you? I'm good. I am super excited because I have a petition that just went out for um, making mental health treatment accessible to all. So I'm super excited because I feel like we're finally getting somewhere where we can hopefully make some real change. But I love how honest you are with your answer, because I think this pandemic really taught us the question, how are you, is a greeting. It's not a real question. People don't actually want to know how you are. And it's terrible. That's true. And I, and I always answer that. I try to answer it, you know, honestly, because I don't, you know, it's like, if you're going to ask me, I'm going to answer it. But I think actually it's such an important question to ask because, we're all in this kind of situation together. And I think we're all struggling with like trying to figure out like what, what's going on. And without getting long-winded, I, I do think that everybody's kind of like waiting for things to go back to the way they were. And, and I, I get the sense that they're never going back to the way they were. And so many people have a lot of need right now, which is why I'm here with you today. You know, I'm really inspired by the work you do, Francesca. And I'm like very impressed with how much traction you've gained in, in the time that, and you're so young, uh, in, in the field and in helping people. And I just, can I just tell the story about this, the, the hoodie? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was wearing this incredible hoodie that Francesca sent me and I was going to get a COVID test which I'm doing every other week because I have to be careful, you know, in my work environment, which is quite small, but I'm wearing the hoodie and I'm there at the urgent care and the nurse is like staring at my chest and I'm like forgetting, you know, what I'm wearing. And I'm like, what's she looking at? You know, (laughs) she's looking at my very ample chest. And I was wearing the hoodie that Francesca sent me, which, and she was like almost emotional. Well, she was emotional. She was like, where did you get that? And it's the hoodie that Francesca sponsored or had made or for your, for your, your organization. And it's, you are loved. You are. It's you are seen, you are heard, you are loved, you are are valid, you are worthy, you are enough. You are enough, which is the thing that I resonate with because my entire life, I was always trying to be enough. Like I never felt like I was enough. I was always trying to like, and, and I was, I was in a, a kind of a fight with myself. Like, it wasn't like I was competing with other people's competing with my own idea of my own standard of myself, which is an exhausting battle. And you can't really win because we are enough. We are enough the moment we're born. 
but anyway, so I, so I, she, she was just emotional. And I, she said, where did you get that? And I said, well, it was gifted to me uh, by this organization. And um, she said, well, my daughter is struggling. She's in high school and it's her birthday coming up. And I would love to get that for her. And she was just emotional. And literally within an hour of me calling Francesca, that hoodie was on its way to this nurse that I don't know, <laughs> to this daughter that I don't know. And I'm sure she'll have it in time for March 1st, which is her birthday, I think, around there. So anyway, thank you for that. And uh, thank you for the work you do. And I'm really honored to be here. It's really important time for us to all help each other. Thank you. And I love that you were wearing the hoodie and resonated with that message because so many of us do. I think a lot of us growing up, the world tells us who we have to be and why we aren't enough. There's so many influences telling us all the things we should be instead and how we need to be better. And a lot of times we don't realize that we are enough. So when I was designing the clothing collection for the nonprofit, I wanted a collection that not only was raising money for treatment for everybody, but it was also resonating with people and that if you walked down the street and you were wearing it and somebody saw it, they were felt safe and comfortable. And like they knew that they could just talk to you, say hi, and that you wouldn't be like a safe place. Like you wouldn't judge them. And I just am so happy that you had that experience with it because that means it worked. What I was going for worked. Totally. And, you know, even further now with people having to wear masks, which we have to do, it's further, you know, can be further alienating, right? Or not alienating, but like hard to connect. And so this hoodie, which is so, it's really, and it's also a gorgeous hoodie. Like I don't typically wear these things, but it was like so comfy and cozy and well-fitting. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of like a conversation breaker as well, even when we have to be wearing masks and we don't really know what each other is feeling because we can't see each other's faces. Exactly. And during this pandemic, I never realized how much I relied on a stranger's smile. Right. How about this? Even relied on my own ability to smile. Yeah. Like that's even what I feel like getting a smile because I like to smile and I like to connect. And I went to Trader Joe's not that long ago and they're like, where have you been? You know, because I literally would go in that store and I would have like people, my, the people who work, they were like take stupid videos. I'd be like doing, you know, me like doing stupid videos. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And they're like taking the videos. Like it was like a little party. Like I really like to connect, you know, with people. And they're like, where have you been? And I'm like, I just, I, it, it's hard for me to like be out and not be able to share and smile and connect and like share my teeth, you know, and say, hi, hi. And I the pick up and I did do, do that one time and I got yelled at at the store and I was just like, the fear levels are so high, you know, and I get it. Of course, they, people are afraid, but like my own ability to smile at people and express myself was the hard part for me. So being smiled at and being able to smile at people, I think it's it goes both ways. Yeah, I love that. And one thing that must be so hard for you is you have like the brightest smile. Like when you smile, it's impossible to not smile back. Like it's just, it lights up a room. So to not be able to share that smile has to be one of the hardest things because it's a gift. I receive that squarely <laughs> on my heart. Thank you. And, and it's been a gift to be able to have Antoinette and friends 
because that like liter- literally came out of nowhere, you know, in a way. It was like, okay, shows canceled, COVID, and the next thing you know, I pivoted into a show where I don't have to wear a mask and I'm able to connect and I'm able to connect with, like, this is like so important to me. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not being able to be out, you know, I was, I, I, I was out and I've got a lot of great neighbors and a couple of them are older guys, you know, and he was just like, you could just see, you know, the level of depression. And he was just like, am I ever gonna sit at a bar and talk to people I don't know and have a drink? And it sounds so simple, but like connectivity, you know, being able to reach out and connect when you're alienated from people, like for me, that's like a hard, very, very hard thing. And I'm comfortable alone. I think that's kind of what's happening in a way too. Like I realized like this week was a very different week than any other week that I've experienced in this whole year of COVID. And I sense that it's been that way for, I mean, certainly everybody around me and my besties and my people who are close to me, but like people, cause I'm, I talk to a lot of people and it, this particular week was rough. And I got a feeling like people are, if things aren't changing back quick enough yeah. and everybody's like in a pause, but here's the thing. If you don't know how to be with yourself, and you're forced to pause, that can be pretty rough yeah. because you don't know what to do. I mean, people read, people don't read. How much TV can you watch? I'm finding people doing drugs, people doing a lot of drugs. People are drinking a lot. People are eating a lot and that's okay for a bit, but, it, but now it's going on too long. And they don't, and, and I just feel like there are people don't have a lot of tools about how to just, not, not everybody, certainly like I was talking on the Norman Seif show, just about people who are creative, right? We're used to the unknown, right? We're always creating something new and then we're trying and then we're throwing it out. We're kind of used to reinventing, right? And being with ourselves and playing music. But a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people are not creatives or they're creatives, but they don't know they're creatives and they work a job. So I'm just like, without getting long-winded, I just felt like this particular week, it, it was rough. Like everywhere I turned, people were in crisis. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the world is going to open up soon so that people can get back to being in, 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 in a social atmosphere so that they can feel supported. Because the truth is we're all in, interconnected and we all need each other. Yeah. And once we have each other, that feeling of desperation kind of falls away, even if it's for the moment, it falls away. So yeah, it's an interesting time. It's a very interesting time to be alive because this has never happened before. And I think that's also a, a part of this is that people don't know because it's never happened before, you don't know what to do. You can't really look to the past to tell you what to do. So you're kind of like having to find how to do this and how to make a new job for yourself or get along with your kids that you don't get along with or get along with your mother. You know, it's like, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And first, I'm sorry, it's been a rough week for you, but I love how you talked about coping and people using drugs, alcohol, um, binge eating, everything, because we don't know how to cope. And I think the pandemic really taught us that our society as a whole has failed on teaching us how to cope through difficult times. We don't learn this in school. 
we don't have resources and education widely available for anyone. There's not a single platform you can go to and learn about what you're feeling. Whether you have depression or you're feeling depressed, there are different coping mechanisms you can use to help you get through those times. And people don't know that. How crazy is it that it's 2021 now and people don't know how to cope? And that's not anyone's fault, but our society as a whole for not ever implementing that in schools, for not having these resources widely available. The government should have came out with a list of resources and how to get help and how a list of coping mechanisms, just something. And mental health was pushed to the side during this pandemic. And we're seeing suicide rates increase. More people die from suicide than the flu every year. There's a good chance that more people are going to die from suicide by the end of this pandemic than from the pandemic itself. And that's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And the, the, the thing that I take away from it is that something tells me that that's what the takeaway is from the pandemic, is that we're, we're learning how deficient we are with coping with our own emotionality. And I know that sounds like, what does that mean? But like, if you don't know how you feel in any given moment, you're not really communing with yourself. You're not really able to take care of yourself. And society as a whole hasn't really helped us to make friends with our own emotions. In fact, not only does it tell us how to feel about things, it tells us that feeling, which is a feminine energy, is bad. Yeah. Doing is good, but feeling is bad. And I I actually think that men must, men who are real, you know, men, the gender of, of the male of, of men must have a hard time because that's not even okay as a man. And if you don't have your emotions, you don't even have yourself. And so I think maybe the takeaway, I try to find the positive in the pandemic. And I feel like there has been a lot of positive. I feel like people are realizing that they need to take care of themselves and that we can't look to others to the leaders or the government or the the state or the church, whatever it is, you can't look to other people to take care of yourself, to, to, to show you how to take care of yourself. That's that's a kind of a inside job. And that goes for, for our health too. I think, I don't want to use the word criminal, but it's like nobody, I mean, we're, people are walking around with masks in nature by themselves. I don't even understand what's happening when I see that or somebody driving a car with a mask that I, I don't know why they're doing that because it's not good for you to wear the mask unless you have to. But also it's, it depletes the immune system because you're breathing in your own, what you're breathing out, you're breathing back in. It makes you nervous and it causes you not to have deep breath and it weakens your immune system. But okay, we have to do it, understood. But then let's talk about how to strengthen your body. Let's talk about how much, how important vitamin D is, how important the sun is to get out in the sunshine, which is vitamin D, to exercise our our bodies, but also exercise our lungs, deep breathing, all of that. So I think that there are large sectors of of, of, of the culture now that are talking about that. And that's as a result of the pandemic. So I just think there's a lot of change afoot. And I think they're positive changes. And I think these kinds of conversations that you're having with people, the conversations that we have on our blog as we're walking just with people, really important just to share information and to share the learnings. Because I think 
if I'm not mistaken. I mean, this could have been much worse. I mean, I think sometimes like, what if it was like the Black Plague where people were dying in the streets? Or what if it was like a nuclear war? Like some big thing that causes the planet to stop the way it has. People have died and it's been horrible and people have lost their jobs and people are, I mean, it is horrible. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying like, in a, in, in a way, it's like a pause in a kind of an almost elegant way where we're getting a chance to stop. And it's not the most horrific thing that ever, ever happened. Does that make sense? It I don't mean to diminish sense. what's happening yeah. for people, but you know, it's a pause that's been needed for a long time. So, and the whole world is doing it, which is amazing, kind of amazing. Right? It's amazing, but it's also very scary that the whole world had to stop and we didn't know how to deal with it. We had no idea. And we're a year into the pandemic. We still don't. And we still don't. Yeah. How do we still not know? How do we still not have these conversations happening, these tools, these resources? We're still not doing it. And it blows my mind. And you touched on so many amazing points. I really want to go back to when you're talking about men and men not being allowed to show emotion. You know, the one thing that we do teach kids like growing up is within fairy tales and in superheroes and all that stuff that men have to be strong and save the world. And women are the damsel in distress. We can cry, we can get upset, and that's it. And we wait for the man to save us. So now flash <laughs> forward to a pandemic where the world has shut down, people losing their jobs, people losing their houses, people can't eat. Yeah. And it's like women should be the ones breaking down and men should figure it all out. And that's not how it works. But that's what we were taught. And that's great. We were taught so many crazy things. I think I once said to a friend of mine recently about, like, I'm really aware and I've been aware since I was really little, just about like the narrative that we tell our kids and what what's sort of been, I don't want to say fed to us because I don't want to make it sound diabolical. But if you watch movies from the time you're born, they said they send it fed, feeds you like a narrative about yourself and a woman does this and a man does this and a woman and if a man does this to a woman this is how a woman reacts like it's literally when we watch tv and movies we're being shown how we're supposed to behave and respond and feel about such and such and i was saying to a friend of mine i was like i wonder what i would be antoinette maybe not even that name, like, what would I be like? What would I look like? What would I be like if I wasn't told all the things that I was told? I'd probably be really, can I curse on your show? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm from Brooklyn and it just comes out. But I'd be like, I'd be really fucking strong, right? I might be not as careful about the things that I say or do I would look really different like what might we be like if we weren't conditioned to be what would what would I be as a human being if I wasn't conditioned from the time I was born and I think that we're breaking out of those things I certainly have I certainly have I was born into an old world Italian family my parents came my my father went over the Brooklyn Bridge on a horse I come from old world Italians where the woman was supposed to do what the woman was supposed to do. I was never really, not really encouraged to go to college. It just was like, 
it's suppression. Women just took care of the house and whatever. And it's generations of that. Yeah. And I, my parents immigrated from Italy. So there I was thrust into New York City, the most progressive city in the world. But like being raised by the old world, but seeing the new world, raised by the old world, seeing the new world, wanting to make my parents happy, but then seeing the possibilities. It was fucking confusing. Right. And I was supposed to get married and have a child and all of that. And, and but as a kid, I remember looking at like the, the, the marriage, you know, getting married and the white dress. And I was just like, I just didn't resonate with that. I just didn't resonate with that. I wanted, I wanted to have a partner. I wanted to have a partner, but I didn't buy into like the fairy tale aspect of it. Although I ended up being in a show called Tony and Tina's Wedding, where I actually married my Tony, on the, you know, my, the actor, I married him and oh. we have children together. And so it's like, I got to kind of participate in it, but never really live it. But my point is, is that it was, it's really hard to break out of what you've been told you are supposed to be. But I'm so pleased with myself and proud of myself that I was able to do it and step out of what I was told to be. My life is much richer. It's harder. It's scarier. But it's so much more full because I'm allowed to discover and explore. Like, who am I? What do I want? What are my dreams? Because the truth is, as women... And men, believe me, I'm not saying men don't have, men have it harder. My heart breaks because men have a hard go of it because they're supposed to take care of everything. They're supposed to take care of everything. They're not supposed to show emotion. They're not supposed to talk about, I mean, how do you live on this planet at this time and not talk about how you, how scared you are and how, and then they got to take care of the families and, and support them. So I guess my, my point is, is that we, we, we've been told so many things and I, and I just feel like, I just feel like it's a special time for that. And, and I, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that everything that we were told that we were, we're redefining, I, I'm hopeful because I've done it, done it for myself. And I was going somewhere with this being a woman thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a really important point that I completely forgot it. But oh, we'll have to move on, Francesca. You know, it's my sister's name. Is it Francesca, really? And my grandmother's name. I love that. We, I know. We call my sister Franca. When we were when we were little, we they, my parents used to take us to Italy. So lucky. I mean, so lucky because most of the immigrants that came to this country, they were like, we don't want to know. We want to speak English. We want to be American. My parents became American pretty quickly, but they, they didn't speak Italian in the household. But anyway, they would take us back to Italy to see the family, which was amazing. But when we would go back to Italy, we all had different names. Like I was Tony. My sister was Franca. Like we all have like these Italian names. I don't know why that happened, but it's kind of fun. I love that. I digress. <laughs> I love that. But I want to touch back on what you were saying, because you know, I grew up in a very um, strict Italian family, very conservative, very, um, when I went to college, a lot of comments on when you're getting your MRS degree, you know, it was always about getting married and raising a family. And I am the polar opposite type of person. I'm like, tell me what to do. And I'm going to do the opposite. So I did my bachelor's, I did my master's. 
And then I started talking about mental health and they were like, don't do that. You can't do that. That's not okay. And I was like, that's great that you don't think it's okay. I'm like, but times have changed and we're not supposed to just fit into this narrative anymore. We don't have to fit into this narrative that was made for us. And I think not at all. So and hard. I, and I, do, I do remember what I was going to say about being, about, about being a woman. It's exactly to your point about just that you we're, we're constantly as women absorbing our environment. Yes. And it's like we absorb things in order to make them okay. And when we get into relationship, we sacrifice as, as we're told to, right? Relationships are hard and you gotta, you know, their work, you know, you're told a lot of things about what relationships are. But as women, it's, it's um, germane to a woman to make everything okay, right? And to make the household okay. And so we absorb negativity, we absorb, we sacrifice, we constrict who we are in order to be in a relationship. And I think men do too. I think we do that. I think men probably try to be what the woman wants. My point is, is that there's women walking around with, with a piece of them that they feel is there, but they can't really explore it because they're taking care of the kids. They're in the relationship and it's like, becomes like a, it's a contract, right? And so what happens when you start in a relationship to you start to explore yourself. It's scary because it means change. It means that what happens if I really explore who I am and kind of let that little piece of me breathe? Maybe I might change too much. Will I be loved? Will I be cared for? Who will take care of me? Especially if, if, if it's in a traditional relationship where the wife is taking care of the kids and that's a contract too right and the husband is the provider right who's going to take care of me if I change is that going to be okay so that's big and I think women do that to men too I think women because we've been taught oh is he gonna where's my where's my Mr. Right is he the one I used to think like the one for what like the one the one you mean to make me completely happy? That's nobody's job. That's nobody's job. But we're taught that, right? And then we're on the lookout. My husband used to tell me that all the time. He's like, you know, men, they say men don't want to commit. He, he really taught me this. And I really appreciate this. He said, it's not true. Men want to commit. They just don't want to commit to somebody else's idea of who they should be. And I'm like, well, tell me more about that. So women have a narrative. They're looking for the guy. They're looking for the one, the one they're going to marry. And sometimes when you're looking for something, you're, you're, you're looking at it through your lens. Therefore, you're not really seeing who's in front of you. You're not really seeing the man who's in front of you. And a man can feel that. They can feel that they're not really being seen for who they are. And that's why they don't want to commit. And I give, <laughs> I give them a lot of credit for that. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. So it's like we're it's nobody's fault. I don't want to blame the narrative because who set the narrative? It's been in place for a long freaking time. And I want to say this too, you know, we're seeing that, you know, our leaders are deficient. We're not getting what we need. We're not getting mental health. The veterans, the poor veterans, they don't even get, you know, healthcare. It's like, we're seeing a lot of things, but the truth is, is that 
It's always been so. It's just now we see it. And I am encouraged that in seeing it and having these conversations, that we can begin to change it. We can begin to shift things. And I do think a shift is afoot. I agree. I do. I I love that because we are seeing it for the first time, but are we willing to stand up and fight against it? And with that narrative um, for women who we can't stand up, we can't speak out because we have to keep the peace. It makes it really difficult. And when we do stand up and speak out, then we're difficult. Now, let me ask you this, because I'm hearing this in, in you. So is that's your experience, right? Is it because it, even in your own home, when you've tried to step away from tribe, let's say it that way, step, you've been met with like, hey, that's not what you're supposed to be doing, right? And that's courageous of you. And I commend you and I honor you for doing that. Because actually the world needs you to do that. And actually your family does too. They just don't know it. When, 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 it, when, when a child steps away for, for a mom and dad, mom and dad, even though they may not have the words or the communication skills, they do want you to be safe. And they only know what they know sometimes. So when you're stepping out like that, it's scary for them, especially when you're a beautiful girl. You know, you're a beautiful young girl. They want you to be safe. So I hear that in what you're saying. And I, I just want to say that I think you're very courageous and you give other people courage in doing so. So, you know, I think I don't want like to think, you know, Francesca, that I live in a glass bubble. I don't think I do. I think the cat's out of the bag. I think the world, Eckhart Tolle, I don't know if you know who he is. He said something so beautiful. He, he's he wrote the power of now and he's been on Oprah and I think Oprah does, he's on you know he does uh, meditation and stuff like that but he said he said what's happening across the planet due to technology is that everyone who has a phone has access to the same information that has never happened before so somebody who's in the Amazon they may not have shoes on their feet but more than likely they have a phone and we all have access to the same information. And it's causing the world to wake up all at the same time. I don't think that's ever happened probably anywhere in the universe that we've woken up at the same time. And so he says, you cannot stop the flowering of human consciousness. And he said something, and I hope that I'm getting this right, but it's so beautiful. He said, you know, at one point for millions of years, the planet was just green, you know, as it changed its, its, um, uh, you know, as it changed the, the gases and it, it, beca- it became a planet and it rained and everything turned green. He said, but there was a point that the first flower opened. And once the first flower opened, flowers opened on the other side of the world. So it's evolution. But I feel because of technology, our evolution has been sped up and people are trying to catch up. And I'm just encouraged. I'm encouraged because I think it's a rocky road because it's chaos right now. All the, the, the structures. This is what I felt personally over the last week. You know how like people say to me, people said to me recently, like, how do you become an actress? You know, and I used to be able to say, well, this is what you do. You do this and you do that. I'm like, none of that is true anymore. Or a friend of mine, 
this creating art, right? And, you know, what do you do when you create art? You have a gallery opening. You do this, you do that. None of it is true. And we're waiting for those things, those benchmarks, the structure of how we do what we do to come back. And they may not. So there's, it's just not there anymore. That's what's been happening for me. That's what's been like, wow, I'm like floating in space. How do I do what I do? And what is success if there's no benchmarks? What is the degree of success? Used to be money is the degree of how you measure success. It's not so much anymore. So what is that? What am I, what am I, what are my goals? And how will I know that I've gotten there? You know, and that's the terror and the chaos that's happening now. But I love the idea that when you have a chaotic environment, you have to look at that as a positive thing because chaos is what happens when things are reorganizing. And I believe right now that we are in a process in a state of reorganization. And we, you, me, people who are willing to communicate have tools that maybe we can share at least what's going on. Because I don't think I'm wrong about that. I do think the structures, the things that we've come to depend on are not there. And maybe they'll come back and maybe they won't. But I think that's the nervousness that people feel. And then people have, I mean, you think about all the celebrities that people have lots of big homes and, ah, you know, things that they have to carry you know and it's like well how am I going to do that now can I still do that I mean it's like it levels the playing field that we're all in this situation together and I don't even know where I'm going with that except to say that I believe I believe that we are heading towards a better world and we are creating it right now I hope so I really hope we are and I hope that this world doesn't have those same structures as before because those structures as great as they were for consistency and knowing what was going to happen next predictability, they were limiting. Everyone knew exactly what you needed to do, how this was supposed to happen. Exactly. We all followed the same process. It took away a lot of individuality and it took away the ability yes. to learn and explore ourselves and who we want to be. It took away our own level of authenticity that none of us realize. And for the first time, we get to explore ourselves in a completely different way, explore who we want to be and how we want to do it. We don't have to do it like anyone else. No one knows what they're doing. We all get to figure it out together in our own ways. And I think that's absolutely amazing. That's so well put. Thank you. You're amazing. You're an ama amazing young person, <laughs> honestly. And I don't mean that. I'm just saying like, wow. I mean, look at that. And you have years and years and years ahead of you and you're you're like alive at a time where in 30 years time you'll probably be traveling to mars i mean think about think about it i may not see that my kids will when they were talking uh on uh the joe rogan ex experience uh, i think elon musk was saying i think within four years people will be able to to do that i'm like okay that's amazing so it's, I think, I think I'm happy that I chose to be alive at this time. I think most days I feel, I feel like I am. And most, some days I just 
like whatever, but you're a pretty together young person and I'm very impressed and happy that I know you. Thank you. I'm happy that I know you because Antoinette and Friends, I think, is one of the most amazing things that came out of this pandemic. And when <laughs> I connected with Dana and with BKO, and she had you on a live, and then I went back and watched all of your episodes, and you're either laughing hysterically at the end, you're sat with like this one question of something that you say that's always so insightful. And I take notes. Like I'm the person who takes notes because you say some of the most amazing things. Like there was this one episode with Luciana where you talked about how with hardship and pain and suffering, all that you can do is make art. And that was so deep and amazing. I was like, wow. And we're all making art in different ways. Yes. And that's what I was, uh, that's my takeaway from uh, my interview with Norman Seif. It's like creativity is not about making art. Creativity is about living in the unknown yeah. and being comfortable in the unknown. He did a, a he went to, to JPL, NASA, the Jet Propulsion Lab, I think for six months and filmed the people who put the Mars rover on Mars. And my point in bringing that up is he observed that without creativity, they couldn't have done that. And I, I think it's such a beautiful thing that we take what's inside and express it however we express it you know p mothers do it with their kids in a creative way you know we do it in all walks of life I think it's an incredibly beautiful honor this sounds so lofty but to be a human being is a gift because we're able to feel and cry and bleed and then I think because we've been taught that we're not supposed to feel those feelings. Somebody said to me uh, about the American culture, because we're, we're pretty, we, we're highly productive culture. Like we get up early, you know, we, we're, we, we used to be considered, I don't know if we still are, the hardest working nation, meaning that work is part of our sustainability. Like that's in, that's in us, like we, we're workers, right? And I just thought to myself, that is so not, it doesn't help support the inside of us. And in Europe, being blue is okay. Like when you're blue, it's kind of like accepted, like you're having a blue day. Here in this country, it means something's wrong with you. And you might need a Xanax or something. You might need a medication. Like being blue, but I don't see that. I think being blue is beautiful. You know, being blue made me paint these walls blue. You know, and I just thought, I think I need my walls to be blue to support that feeling inside of me. And I'm, thank you for saying that. I loved that interview with Luciana. I was talking about it yesterday. I thought she's somebody who's constantly creating. I'm, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, music and it's just she's music, flowers. I mean, she's in a constant state of creation and therefore she's happy and healthy. And I think people will be happy and healthier when they find their voice and their ability to express their pain, because we all have it. I never trust anybody who says, I don't have pain. I'm good. I'm good. I, you know, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, I love that. But like, 
I don't know how you can not have pain here. It's just like it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard reality sometimes, you know, just even sometimes to see the people around you suffering. It's it's hard. So anyway, thank you for saying that. And thank you. I I um, I'm very excited about the direction of Antoinette and Friends. And my next three guests are just magnificent. And and one of them has just been a part of my life for so long. And it's such an intimate relationship of beauty and depth and laughter and silliness to the extreme and a lot of a lot of uh, history. So I'm really excited and thank you for saying that. I'm really pleased that I have Antoinette and Friends and that it's continued. April 23rd was when my show was canceled at the Canyon Clubs, the live stand-up show. And I think I did the first Antoinette and Friends right around that time. So it hasn't been very long that it's been going and it's really has a life of its own do you know like when a ship pulls away and there's the wake I feel like I feel like the ship is Antoinette and friends and I'm just kind of like following along in the wake it's cool I love thank you that. <laughs> you know sometimes things have momentum like you know you're in the right the right thing in life when it's more effortless yeah. people say well I don't know what I want to do like I've got two sons you know and I'm like doesn't matter that you don't know just move in the direction of your greatest joy like go where it makes you happy that's where you're going to make your money always that but we're not taught that I certainly wasn't my mother and father were like immigrants hardworking. my father did whatever the fuck he had to do to put food on the table forget about joy that was like not in the equation so this is a big quantum jump we've made i've made let's say in my generation from where my parents how they lived to this conversation we're having i mean this was like not on the table as a possibility so i'm very encouraged i don't think civilizations change overnight and we've had a year of this pandemic and i just think it's like wow what an amazing year for the whole world to be going through. And it really goes to show how interdependent we are. If a virus can spread like that, I mean, that just goes to show you how the world is like this and we're all connected. Yeah. And I think a lot of people didn't realize how connected we were. And I That's remember I did this one interview with someone, a psychologist in India and she was like, people don't realize that the information from social media that we're all putting out there tends to be this massive news source in other countries. We're all connected in ways we don't realize. So when we put information out, especially with like mental health, it's so important that we're putting the right information out because we're all connected and putting out the wrong information might be very dangerous in places where they don't have the right information at all available. Very good point. Very good point. And there's a lot. I watched, uh, are you on, uh, I watch uh, Gaia a lot. I, I will tune into that uh, channel, has some interesting interviews, but I heard something that I thought, oh, this is good. <laughs> this is really good because <laughs> there's so much misinformation. Sometimes you'll listen to something and it'll have some information that you know is true, but then there's a lot around it may not be true. 
right? And so I think we're all trying to figure out like what's true and what's not. Is this pandemic, this virus really dangerous or is it just like the flu? And, you know, and people, you know, countries are shutting down and Italy, you know, lost a lot of people. But then there are people like walking around like it's not there's so it's like it's very challenging to kind of assess what's happening. And that's across the board in every discipline and every field. Right. And so this woman said, which I thought was so cool, she said, instead of going in deep with these things that you're finding, zoom out and try to look at everything as a whole look at information as a whole because if you go into one area it'll take you down a rabbit hole where some of it is true but some of it isn't because it's hard to know this is like the generation of like social media right this has never happened before people are posting things and you're going okay well that must sounds true the way they're saying it is true but it may not be true it may be somebody's point of view so it's like it's a very strange time. And I liked that piece of advice. That was like, I, that was my takeaway is like, just step back a little bit and not, because, you know, people are afraid, you know, like they go down the conspiracy rabbit hole of vaccines and there's chip in it and they're trying to control. And, you know, people can take their fear that they have and place it upon things that's in a way what I sometimes feel like when people are driving in their car and they have their mask on, I'm like, you know, it's like, it's almost like a demonstration of fear. You know, they don't need to have it on in the car, but it's like, they're afraid. So they'll keep it on and it makes them feel safer. So, you know what I mean? So I just feel like when people find something that feels right, it can take you down a rabbit hole. And I think it's just important for me to kind of like, Oh, I can't go there because it's making me afraid. And it may not even be true. Why am I spending my time there? I just zoom out a little bit and look at the world as a whole and look at the information in a more comprehensive way. It's my experience that the world is pivoting to a better place. I love that. It's so important that we zoom out and see the world as a bunch of different puzzle pieces and not just the one puzzle piece that's put right in front of us. Well said. Well said. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me today. You're absolutely amazing. This is lovely. This is really lovely. And um, I appreciate being here. And thank you for having me on. Mm -hmm.